0: delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by theracetalk.com, this is On The Grid. (laughs) G'day everyone, and welcome to another episode of On The Grid, here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you so much for joining us, great to have you on board. Big show coming your way in just a tick. First of all, we're going to have a chat to young gun Tom Sargent. Had a fantastic weekend. He's Porsche up at City Motorsport Park on the weekend, reigning Formula Ford champion and also Bathurst six-hour winner. We'll also have a chat to Josh Bucken, who had a win in the TCR cars on the weekend at City Motorsport Park. More importantly, the first night race on Saturday for TCR. All that to come, Mark Walker, Richard Quayle. To sum up what has been a massive weekend of motorsport, not just here in Australia, but right around the world, let's get straight into it. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world on the grid as we say good day to richard crowls we always do off the top of the program from the racetalk.com hello crazy
1: mr Shabeki, nice to be with you uh big weekend at sydney motorsport park for the shannon's nationals or championships and speed series really enjoyable we'll debrief all of that a bit later on looking forward to it but there were some um drivers who made a mark shebex i'm giving you a nice segue here to introduce yeah, our first guest because uh in porsche michelin sprint challenge especially there was some unbelievably good racing
0: there certainly was. And today we're going to sort of dub, I suppose, the first part of our program, our young guns. Mm. We've got a couple of really good young up-and-coming drivers to have a chat to us. And first of all, we'll have a chat to a man who won the Formula 4 Championship last year in 2021. And gee, as I tell you what, it's been a great 12 months for him. Not only did he win that, also had a win of the Bathurst 6-hour. Uh, some fantastic driving over the weekend, as you said, in the Porsche of the Michelin, Michelin Sprint Challenge. Thomas Sargent's his name, and he joins us on the line now g'day tom hey guys how are you oh we're fantastic mate thank you for joining us uh first of all we catch you uh up in brisbane or it was at uh, qr yesterday i think you might have been at dji headquarters today we have spent a couple of days with the team doing a bit of testing and just doing a bit of learning how's that all going for
2: you oh that was an, an incredible couple of days up here the uh uh team DJ have been nothing more than nice to me and, and inviting so it's been awesome to be up here and, and kind of see how they run and get you know, get in and amongst the team and how a professional rec team works it's been an awesome opportunity
1: so you're out at QR mate tell us what went on out there and and how the day was um I actually spent almost two days out there I spent Monday out there and and for uh, most of
2: today so it was very good at uh, Monday we um had got to cut a few laps, which was awesome. Uh, weather was a bit troubling uh, there for a little bit with a little bit of rain, but uh, it mostly held off, so it was pretty good. But uh, we had a, a couple of um, young people like myself out there testing the Shelby Power Mustang, so um, got to turn a few laps and uh, got yeah you know, got to get involved with the team on how on how they go about it. Uh, talk to the engineers and and their current drivers at the moment to try and um, improve on on myself out
1: there. And, and what was that experience jumping into a supercar like, mate?
2: I think I think I'm definitely very spoilt with my first ever uh, supercar supercar experience being in a in a Shelby Power Mustang. So it was an uh, awesome experience. The cars are are very well built. You can see why they do the the times they do now. Um, they behave really well, and everything about it was was awesome. Um, the car was uh, for, for my brief few laps was um, definitely felt to be. Set up quite well, and and everything about it was just really nice and uh, well built. So it was an awesome experience. Um, definitely, definitely, like I said, very spoilt. Of
0: course, this is a uh, part of the prize that Tom won last year. Crowsey is part of his Formula One, a uh, Formula One, Formula Ford Championship uh, here at, in Australia, and uh, we do congratulate and thank DJR for allowing us to do this, and we'll be doing it again this year with the Formula. Ford winner. Mate, in regards to jumping into the car, I mean, of course, you're driving a Porsche on the weekend. You've uh, been driving a few different things this year. Was it an easy car to step into and, and just basically grab a hold of straight away?
2: Um, Interesting enough, I, I kind of leaned towards that a little bit. It was very, definitely after spending three days in the Porsche on the weekend, you definitely, at least you're up to speed when you get into a, a car that's very, very similar speed. So, It did make that transition a little bit easier, I think. That you know, the overall principles on on how to drive them were were very similar, but now the supercar's definitely got a a few different traits to the Porsche. Like, it's definitely got a lot more feeling in the front end, a lot more turn being front engined. Um, it doesn't put power down as well as the Porsche due to a little rear tire, but overall, it was an awesome car and it definitely was not not as big of a transition as I thought. But that might have been, yeah, helped by my. My my three days. I did in the Porsche and you know, the day before. So,
0: Alex Davison, Will Davison, Tony Alberto and Anton De Pasquale were all there driving as well. You mentioned the word speed. Give us the uh, word, mate. How did you go up against those guys when it came to times?
2: <laughs> um, yeah, like you mentioned, they were all there. Um, they didn't end up cutting laps yesterday. They they cancelled their their official test due to the weather. So um, Anton. Anton jumped in for a couple of laps before me and, and turned a tire uh, turned turned a few laps. So I ended up I think it was just over a second off him in the end. There he granted he only did three or four laps, but um yeah, you know, I was pretty pretty pleased with that in the end on, on how we went.
1: Yeah, that's that's not bad. Like Anton's pretty experienced now and a, a proven race winner. So yeah really impressive stuff mate that's that's awesome must be a a cool experience i want to work through the year so far and build up to last weekend because there's a bit to unpick there but we haven't spoken to you on air since the bath of six hour and that was a remarkable weekend for yourself and cameron um we had cam on the show with his heroic final stint but you got lumped with the task mate of starting the car from Four hundred and seventy-second position, right at the back, next to the Mount Panorama <laughs> Resort. Um, what's your recall of that opening stint of that race as you carved your way through that field?
2: Uh, it was definitely an experience and a half. I remember turning up to the weekend, and I'd done a, I'd done two six hours before in an eighty-six, and I remember mm. I remember missing. I, I did. I started one of those events, and I remember the start. I, I never saw the start. Like I was still up at chase when it happened, and I was like. You know, this this is the year I'm actually gonna see the start. Mm. And bugging me, I never saw it still.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but um but no <laughs> but that's all right. I'll maybe one day I'll get to see the start. But um no, it definitely made for a, a very cool fairy tale, um, the race. So that first thing was it was, you know, as much as there was a lot of people out there, a lot of people to pass, everyone was very good about it. They kinda you know, when you when you flashed them they, they, they were very careful that you were around there and trying to move forward so everyone was you know, gave you their space there was a couple of times there were people didn't see you so you had to be you know a little bit careful and have a little bit reserved there so uh, it, it was good i i really enjoyed it there was you know there wasn't too much pressure because i kind of knew come come the first safety car we would we would catch back up to the field so there wasn't any need to to do anything kind of silly and and, out, and outlandish there so I just yeah just picked away at it and and just kept just kept making passes where i could and, and you know it was very hard to overtake at the top so yeah i utilized the bmw straight line speed really there and and tried to get them all in the straights in the braking areas but ultimately my first stint was was definitely a very good experience and something i'm going to remember for a long time
0: most people will tell you the better you prepare for something the better you go preparation is key in this case though preparation was nil effectively wasn't it you got Not the too. car last minute <laughs> even the overtaking move was basically on the last few laps everything was just so last minute to the extent that it probably nearly didn't happen for you guys
2: yeah you're 100% right there we um we had the car for i think it was only 10 months before the event and because we were the first to build an m2 we were we were pioneering the way so we had to we had to make all the rules, I suppose you could say, for it, um, get the recognition documents done. So it took us a little bit longer than and what it would take to do it now. So, and we had to design the roll cage and do all that. So everything was very last minute. And like I said, we, a week before the event, the thing wouldn't start. So we overhauled it up to, to Beric Linton's place in the Gold Coast here. And, um, and, and he spent two days on it. He, he fitted the steering wheel to it because it didn't have a steering wheel. He, he got it running and, and, and gave, <laughs> took us to a place where we could at least give it a wheel. I'm going to make sure all the wheels are pointing in the same direction. So, um, yeah, huge, huge thanks to to Beric. Without him, we weren't going to be there. But, um, yeah, even at the track on on Thursday night, we were still prepping the car, finishing the fuel tank. So it was very last minute. And uh, it would have been nice to have a little bit more testing beforehand. But um, that's just the way it worked out. And and like you said, the whole whole meeting was a little bit... um, last minute for us. I do think if we had a little bit more time, we probably would have been a bit more on top of the you know, some, you know, the issue we had with obviously the right height and qualifying. But um, yeah, those things happen and we're definitely glad it happened on Saturday, not not Sunday.
1: And just tell us about that experience of standing on top of the Bathurst podium for an outright win because you're a class winner there in the the Tour the year before, but so early in your career to, to lift the big trophy and stand on top of that very famous podium at Mount Panorama, hopefully not for the last time in your career.
2: Yeah, it was very, very special. Ever since I was a kid, you've watched Baptist and you watch stand up on that podium there and you think, wow, that's that's pretty cool. That's something you you want to achieve. And, and to be able to do that, like you said, I, I did it once, but to be able to get up there and actually spray the champagne this time, and, you know look around at the people that were standing next to me um you know, tim slade and nick had obviously better supercar drivers standing next to me on the podium and, and cameron it was very surreal and cool experience to be up there and and, and to be the youngest ever outright winner at Bathurst of six hours
0: and crazy he could have had a win on the weekend <laughs> in porsche michelin sprint but she was at uh, last turn Oh, wow. Well, second for the round, which is
1: not a bad thing because it's, it, the sprint challenge this year is Carrera Cup light. It is properly intense yeah. and competitive. But yeah, you, you had a really strong weekend, Tom. Uh, you had your pockets picked a little bit there in that second race on Saturday by uh, young Ryan Wood, the the young Kiwi who's very fast and, and it all shapes up for you two to have a, an amazing title battle this year. But um, Sunday was great. Obviously, you got a win, but Saturday oh, oh so close there, right at the very end. Yeah,
2: Saturday um, didn't quite go to plan for me in race two. There, obviously, race one couldn't quite match Ryan. He was um, he was super super quick in race one, so he came back, um, tuned me up actually. Car was good, just mm. needed to change my driving a little bit, and you now had found a lot more speed there in race two to kind of battle with him. So you now he probably still has the edge on me there in race two a little bit but, um, you know, obviously led the whole race and then last lap, last, last corner, got a lot of traffic and, and, you know, ducked when I should have weaved sort of thing, so, you know, probably you know, in hindsight, um, definitely could have done that better, but um, it's just one of those things I, I learnt from that and, you know, it definitely does hurt, obviously because it did, it did, you know, ultimately cost a, a round win, but like I said, P2 was, for the round it's still awesome and, and I definitely come back out with a lot more fight on Saturday on Sunday, sorry, and um. I think that was proven when I took the win in the, in the final race on Sunday.
1: Yeah, definitely. Did, did you stay flat when you took to the grass to avoid Nathan Murray, who was in front of you or was there a bit of a lift there?
2: <laughs> um, no, I, I definitely was flat when I entered the grass and then I, I kind of almost sprayed it and I was like, ah, uh, no, this is not worth it. I'll, uh, I'll roll out of this and pull back on. So I, for a minute there, I was trying to be, the, trying to be the hero on the grass, but, um, I definitely thought better of that very quickly.
0: Yeah, second's much better than the grandstand. Yeah. <laughs> That's where it was heading, yeah. was, wasn't
2: it? <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs>
0: hey, Thomas, just before we let you go too, we should mention that you're still very much a part of Formula Ford with the work that you do with Cameron Hill uh, CHE and uh, a part of working with the, the young kids and uh, she was young uh, James Physic. Uh, could be a good seer as well.
2: Yeah, no, we, um very very fortunate to be able to be so heavily involved with the team at the moment and and helping these younger drivers come through so obviously i did it last year so it's still relatively fresh for me and it's all the same so it's awesome to be able to help out help those guys out where i can and give them you know the little tips and tricks i learned along the way to help them so you know we've got three four, oh, four sorry awesome young drivers uh, in the team three competing in nationals so uh, James obviously did really well um, last weekend, and he, he's very quick. He's still he's still extremely young. <laughs> Even makes me look old, I think. But um, <laughs> yeah, he he he'll he do really well. And I think this yeah that incentive from from DJR with this test day as well has been really awesome for that category. I know I know talking to our drivers, they yeah, they're super keen about that as well. Uh, they're that's something that they're definitely pushing hard to get. But um, no, it'll be definitely going to be very tight this year. We've got a. Uh, awesome bunch of young formula Ford guys, and yeah, I'm awesome to be able to help out in the category as well. The category means so much to me, and I'm a really big believer that it's an awesome, you yeah, develop, know, junior development category to to go in and help you forge your path in motorsport.
0: And the great thing for James Crowsey is it's uh, Thomas's car from last year, so we know it's a good car. Got pedigree, <laughs> yeah, in, in the same <laughs> way.
2: And he's, yeah. he's- <laughs>
1: He's jumped into the Career Cup winner from last year. So, no, very good. Mate, well yeah. done. Um, loved, loved seeing your race on the weekend. I think Sprint Challenge this year is going to be an awesome battle. Yourself and Ryan and Courtney Prince, another Formula Ford graduate, was fast um, by the end of the weekend as well. So it's shaping up to be a, yeah. a really good fight and, and can't wait to follow your progress this season.
2: No, I'm very much looking forward to it. It's good to to uh, be be racing some really top-level guys and, um, yeah. Hopefully tomorrow's day at Philip Island goes well and we can um, hopefully get a bit of an edge over them at Philip Island.
0: Good on you, Thomas. Thanks for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. Nice.
2: Thank you guys for having me. Awesome. Thank you.
0: Thomas Sargent joining us here on The Grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. All right, Krause. Keeping with our Young Gun theme, uh, as I tell you what, this guy did pretty well on Saturday night winning the first ever uh, TCM race uh, at Underlights, which was fantastic. TCR, even. TCR, yeah, you're right. I said TCM. So TCM.
1: TCM, we're under lights. They were spectacular too, Shebex. But, gee, she's a competitive old championship uh, super cheap auto TCR this year. And our next guest is right at the very front of the battle and looking forward to uh, a chat. Tony, when you introduce him. Josh Bucken joins us for that chat. today.
3: Josh. How are you? Hello, gents. I'm very good, thank you. Thank you for having me uh, on this lovely
0: chat. No, we appreciate it, mate. Thank you for joining us. Uh, take us through the experience of uh not only one driving under lights at sydney motorsport park but two winning a race
3: (laughs) yeah that was good driving uh at any time and winning always makes whatever the conditions are feel much nicer than what they were uh so for it being a little bit cold and chilly uh, in sydney that night uh winning and throwing a bit of champagne over the suit and ruining it for the next day was well (laughs) worth it so um yeah it was fantastic uh you know, it was a good day. Probably my strongest day in TCR, to be fair, with a with a pole and a win. So, um, yeah, great day in sport.
1: Really good day in sport, mate. TCR is properly competitive this year. There's a hundred points covering eleven drivers in the championship. Crazy. So, you know, you could go from leading the thing to being P six in one weekend. You're right in the mix. You're in the top three in the championship. So just sum up the series for us so far for you and how competitive you're finding it behind the wheel of your HMO customer racing I-30.
3: Yeah, it's outrageous at the moment. It really is. I mean, I led the championship out of round one and then at the end of round two, I was in 11th. So yeah. uh, that kind of sums it up. Um, it's It's amazing. It's full of just absolute killers up and down the grid. It really is. There's really no one who doesn't belong there. Uh, and there are some, you know, properly good operators, both who were sort of undiscovered talents and who were already existing talents. Uh, and it's great because, you know, now we're a couple of years in and particularly two years back to back. There's a lot of people on the grid. We all know how most of us drive now. We all sort of have a good respect for each other, uh, most of us. <laughs> um, and uh, and it's, it's becoming, you know, a real tight knit category along with the fact that when you're put the helmet on, you know that you're going to have to work for your money. So it makes it exciting. I honestly, when I say it before every weekend, I, I know you hear it a million times. That's the cliche. I have no idea what's going to happen each weekend. <laughs> I, I, I figured going to Sydney we'd do well, but I figured that at Phillip Island and we got pumped. So, mm. um, yeah, the, the, the narrative is always a fresh one each weekend in, in TCR.
0: We were talking to uh, Thomas Sargent just before in Momentum. Seems to be the thing with him uh, having won, of course, the Formula 4 Championship last year, winning at Bathurst 12-hour, had a fantastic weekend with a win uh, at City Motorsport Park on the weekend. How important is momentum in your game? Uh, I, I think I think
3: momentum in TCR is tough. It's, it's easy to get a roll on on a weekend, but it's so easy to fall off it too. One, one of the bad result can, you know, really turn that around. So uh it's just a case of consolidating every race and treating it like a whole new event. It really is I mean my my first race over the weekend was a win, my second race was a twelfth, and I kind of knew going into that it was going to be tough just based on our tire strategy so um you know to back it up with uh second coming from a few spots back in race three um you could it 's fair to say I might not have had momentum for that third mm. race um so yeah it's it's a challenge but um Look, when when you do get a couple of results in, the, in a row or a couple of good rounds, you can really feel a boost with, with the whole team. And I guess they're the ones who feel it the most, the team, the guys on the tools. Once you start going well, they lift. And when they lift, the environment, when you come back into the lane, uh, is exceptionally different uh, when you're going well. So it's probably where I notice it the most, if I'm being honest.
1: Mm-hmm. And momentum's one thing, but consistency is another. And it yeah. seems like that's something very difficult to find especially when you've got to deal with things like a reverse top 10 race but you look at the standings the only two guys in front of you in the championship at the moment d'alberto and o'keefe haven't won a race so we're four rounds in and they're winless but they just keep accumulating thirds fourths fifths so how do you engineer that consistency in while you're still trying to go out and extract the kind of performance you need to race at the front of such a competitive field
3: Yeah, well, as you mentioned, Tony's been just welded to fifth, hasn't he? I mean, he's allergic to winning at the moment. Um, (laughs) And he hates that too, by the way. (laughs) I know, I know, and I remind him every time I see him. Um, We're great mates, so I can say that. But, uh, yeah, look, I mean, Tony has just stayed out of trouble. I mean, that third race in Sydney, I think he ran 16th or something, 17th. And his wheel was about his, his tire was about to fall off the rim and he still got it to the finish line. That's the sort of stuff that will win you a series. Whereas um, like we had one bad round based off a strategy error that we made and we just bled points. If it wasn't for that Philip Island round, I, I'd I'd be in a position much off into the distance. But I think at the end of the year, everyone's gonna have a story, maybe two. Mm. So uh, you know, without wanting my competitors to blow up on the grid before every race, which I'd probably I'd take. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm sure there are going to be a lot more twists and turns through the year, not not just what we've seen so far. And um, yeah, we'll need a bit more uh, paper in the scrapbook for the highlights. I'm sure.
0: You're right, mate. Everyone does has have, sto- have a story, and yours is quite interesting. The fact that you didn't start motor racing until you're quite late at 16 years mm-hmm. of age. Most kids get in at eight or nine and the go-karts. You were 16. Why the yeah. late start and why motorsport at that age? Uh,
3: the late start was dollars and cents. Um, yeah. And, and why motorsport? Well, I mean, uh, my dad used to rally back in his younger days. Uh, nothing outrageous, but um, drove some cool cars and he was a car nut. Uh, when I was younger, he sold cars. Um, really cool sort of Japanese imports in the early 2000s and you know Holden's at the at the peak of the Scaife era if you like so that's sort of VT VX um, and then sort of Japanese imports of Skyline Supras in those days that was my introduction to cars and you know they were fast back then and mm. my dad had no issue in breaking road rules and um, <laughs> I, I had a I had a lovely time and I just enjoyed going fast so what it was was I just a at one stage wanted to do it for myself. And that was, you know, to go and get a go-kart. So, um, I saved up for quite a while to to do that. And once I did, I realized, Oh, I came pretty quick. And the racing thing was just go and compete against other guys to show them I was better than them. I didn't really care for racing. I just wanted to show other people I was fast. And that's all I ever wanted from it was just to be sort of acknowledged to someone fast. And, um, you know, if you had another hour and a half, I'd explain how I got to where I am now. But that's kind of the premise of it was just the, the love of driving. And it still is. I still love driving. I don't really care what it is, wheelbarrows, F1 cars, <laughs> every, anything in between.
1: What What's the goal? What What's the direction you want to go? I mean, is TCR it? Are you happy here or do you have sights set on supercars or do you have sights set overseas?
3: It's a very good question and it's it is a tough one as well. I mean, as I mentioned, before it's a dollars and cents thing as well i am very happy where i am i'm on an exe- an excellent deal um, in a great environment with a fantastic group you know between hyundai hmo um which is you know effectively barry Morecambe and um, mm. you know rob benson running the show um you know i i, I love where i am and I, i'll stay there for as long as they'll have me i'd love to do a bit of stuff in gt some endurance stuff and you know, just bits and pieces here and there where I can. Uh, I'd never say no to driving a supercar, but I I think it's quite unrealistic based off at the moment, the investment that you need to make over a several year period in super two, super three to even get a look in. Um, Particularly when I'm at a category where I think, you know, it's being treated as not a rival, but a, a, a sort of top level category as well. So if I can establish myself even more in TCR and, you know, keep, Plugging away there, if there are opportunities overseas to do something uh, in the category, I'd love to do that and just test myself against the guys who are considered the best. Because I think our talent pool out here, although it might be a bit smaller, is certainly not uh, any less competitive or filled with as much uh, any less quality, I should say. For sure.
0: And you're a bit of an open wheeler man too, aren't you? You spent a couple of years in Formula Four oh, and yeah. Formula Three.
3: Yeah, that's right. So my break in cars was through Listech Race Cars, Paul Liston uh, in Wetherill Park, which is actually where I'm uh, driving through right now in the passenger seat, of course. Um, so, yeah, I was doing karting and kind of didn't really have much of a direction. And then a guy in a team we were racing with just basically said, oh, here's a number, give Paul a ring, you know, he, he'll give you a run in his car. And I just thought, no he won't like that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't exist like formula ford's 60 grand a year a test days a couple of grand a year and um a uh, test days a few thousand dollars so i thought that's rubbish i'm not going to do that and i remember how funny is this i remember having my phone in my hand in front of me with paul's number and i was looking at it and i thought i'm not going to bother ringing it and then i just something told me just uh, just just push the number so i rang the number and sure enough I, I did a test and then i spent probably yeah three years or so uh two or three years racing their cars and i still do stuff in their cars now i mean i, I drive all their sort the of resto projects old lotus formula fords and nice. you know formula 5000s and you know they've got some formula 3000s that they're doing mm. um and then the formula three thing was similar i was at a wedding and Met Errol Gilmore, the late Errol Gilmore, and that was in the January. And all of a sudden, at February, we're at Winton. So it's it's been it's been very very uh, surreal.
0: She there's every chance we could see you at uh, Winter later in the year for the Formula Festival. Festival of all there the is Formula a chance. Yes. it's going to be fantastic
3: there is a chance I, I might be there in an old Matic 5000 john goss 76 oh, uh, australian it. grand prix car so yeah <laughs> i know mate. i'm telling you yeah, i've been <laughs> i've been held off i've been held off by covid twice for that car so mm. um potentially this will this will be it so maybe maybe well,
1: there's a, a couple of things to take out of that one i i did speak? I know the late Errol Gilmore, who was a great human being from 2004, when when Chris was first in Formula Three, and he had raps on you. Yep. And if you get raps from Errol Gilmore, that's a massive tick because he called a spade <laughs> a spade, and he was a lovely, lovely bloke, um, and sorely missed. And two uh i think we need to see you as part of the new netflix series drive for p25 starring young will liston uh which was coined at the uh supercar (laughs) round when he rolled out in the formula four last year and uh poor old will every time he said uh the camera cut to him and they did give him an onboard he was fired off the road but outside of that (laughs) he was brilliant But um, no, the Listons are a great family, great racing family. So that's a, a cool background to have. Hey, mate, my last question for you is I would like you to please describe the opening laps of a TCR race. Because if someone tells me the one bit you must watch at a TCR round, it's the start to the end of lap one or two. Because they are the most intense couple of minutes of touring car racing you will ever see. There's so much going on. As you guys hang on to these cars, they're side by side. Clearly, no rear tyre grip. What's it like? Because it's pretty wild to
3: watch. Yeah, it is. I mean, it for for anyone who's raced in the past or done go karts or whatever, the closest thing I'd attest to it is kind of rolling out the gate at Lithgow in a on a one or two degree morning um, and trying to get around the first corner. It's kind of just like. The nose will turn. You've got no problem with that, but you, you just have no idea what the back's going to do until the first time you add steering lock. So mm. um, I remember going into lead at turn at one in in Sydney over the weekend and looking at the first turn, I was kind of narrow, just being defensive and thinking, oh, I've got to hold this flat. I've turned it in. It's just snapped on me straight away. <laughs> I thought, okay, well, it's not flat. And it's just chaos. It really is because sometimes your car's hooked up and, you know, you're on a charge and then two Guys in front of you are, you know, battling to blink and breathe. So it's it's really odd because the tire strategy as well. You, you never know who's on good tires, who's on bad tires. So it is basically just it. It's funny. I tell the team, don't talk to me on the first two laps. Let the dust settle uh, because it's just absolutely wild and totally open for interpretation. Uh, and you can <laughs> you can really make or break a race and we all in two corners.
0: <laughs> it's wild It's yeah it is sorry mate we just lost you there for a second but I think we've got you back now mate thank you so much for your time really do appreciate it uh, getting a win in any category is special converting a pole into a win is even more so and you did that on the weekend well done and uh, good luck for the remainder of the TCR season
3: thank you very much guys thanks for having me and uh, yes I'll do my best
0: Josh and joining us here on The Grid you're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world on the grid all right joining us to cover off what was a massive weekend uh probably the biggest weekend in motor racing i think the weekend we just had mark walker good day to you
4: hello tony Shabeki. i saw an awful lot of nurburgring which was good mm. between bits and uh as we record this on tuesday night the nascar race just
0: finished so, uh... <laughs> five minutes ago five minutes ago <laughs> that was insane we will talk about that i'm sure a little mm. bit later on but boy oh boy hey let's kick it off with uh locally and that was a big weekend some fantastic racing at sydney motorsport park
1: yeah it was you know we were, we were piecing the power rankings together on the race talk and it's pretty hard to find some knots out of that because <laughs> it was very very good how do you rank the hot so because oh. every category legitimately had very good racing like they did the yeah. whole thing was entertaining and even look, even the stuff that wasn't aired on Stan sport was very good. The radicals, the two 40 minute races, they had 50 minutes and they can often be a little bit tedious, uh, but they were both really good car races as well. Prototypes were the same. So no, it was a tremendous weekend. Um, I'm not quite sure where to start from a, a recap point of view, but I think just following on from having Josh Buchan on the show and doesn't that young bloke speak really, really well but can't he half drive. He's an exciting talent. Uh, I love the fact that he's made TCR his home. That's, that's where he wants to be. He's happy to be there, but it is a cracking championship. It it feels like TCR's finally come of age. It's a year where it's now properly legitimate part of the national motor racing scene. It's gone from being a curio, something new, something fresh, something a little bit different that people went, oh yeah, this is okay to being a properly competitive, really hard-to-win National Motor Racing Championship. And you look at the championship order. I mean, Tony d'Alberto 412 points, down to 10th place, Ben Barguana on 329. So it's 85 points covering the top 10 drivers in the championship. Crazy. It, it is just outrageously competitive. And to string together one good weekend is very difficult, as Josh found out. So I I rate it. It's such a cool championship this year. And As we finished on with Josh, Mark, we asked him about the opening laps and uh, he said it's like driving on ice and it really is, but they are the most frenetic opening laps in Australian motorsport at the moment. Well, back in the old super
4: touring days, they used to give them two warm-up laps, didn't they? Just to try and avert a bit of that uh, silliness at the start. but. Like you say, it's a destination category now, isn't it? It's uh, mm. forging its own path there. It's not all bankrolled by the category owners anymore. It's, it's teams out there legitimately wanting to be av- involved with it. And, yeah, the product was pretty spicy on the weekend. But it's the big names that, you know, you've got your Fabian Coulthage, James Moffat's um, of the world, Michael Caruso, who are your sort of star power that are able to draw people in. But they had shockers, like, for various mm-hmm. reasons, not necessarily of their own doing. Um, Will Brown Will Brown yeah. Oh, He was sort of up and down like when, yeah. when he was going He was going well um, But it's A spot where a Jordan Cox Or a Josh Buck Can make a name For themselves
0: mm, Certainly mm. is we should clarify too That we're talking about Ice racing as similar As in Finland Not actually being On methamphetamines Because that's totally illegal And we wouldn't <laughs> I, I thought,
4: all. Uh, ice racing would be a thing in Melbourne tonight. Actually, <laughs> there's Bex, it's about three <laughs> it could, degrees here. <laughs> it,
0: it could be, Mark. You might be right. Well, I think you're spot on, Crazy. I think the, the closest of the championship, show me a championship anywhere in the world where you've got 85 points separating 10 blokes and you've got a good championship.
4: It, well, it, I- it is. And it's the fact that the next race meeting, the balance of performance might swing completely the other way and mm. some other mark is going to go up there and be
0: able to dominate. Well, we spoke about that, didn't we, with Josh, and, and the fact of how hard it was to get that momentum going in in the series.
1: Yeah, and and even on the weekend, like the the Hyundai's were very strong. The Peugeots weren't as dominant as they have been, at, for instance, at Mount Panorama. Those things were rocket ships up there. So, yeah, the the BOP definitely plays a role. But just to further on that point about having the established stars in there and, and having others come in and knock them off. I love that. I, I love that for Josh Buck and Jordan Cox. I mean, he's a hero to many. And the Jordan Cox Supporters Club were out there on the weekend.
4: <laughs> how Set, much beer they did, are,
1: how they much did they lot, get into it? They, it? Drank <laughs> they drank a lot of beer. They uh, drank a lot of beer. Most of it up in the ARDC garage by pit exit. Uh, but then they migrated, I don't know, TV showed it a couple of times. They migrated to the exit of turn two and there's, it was like a Valentino Rossi grandstand at a MotoGP race with all yellow, except it was all coxie white. Was it just, the same I've mob, that, was the same like mob that
0: came to Phillip Island?
1: Yep. Yep. Wow. Same group of people, just larger because it's his home turf. Yeah. That's yeah. it. But that is the best possible thing for that series is to have guys like Jordan come in and establish a fan base and yeah he brings a turnkey fan base because he's a freak of motor racing but um i love that i I think that's part of the appeal Mm. i love the fact that tony dalberto hasn't won a bloody race yet he'll hate it but the fact he's leading the championship and has gone winless i think that's cool because it shows that the experienced drivers can use that consistency you know the honda's not the fastest car i don't think in tcr but it's there or thereabouts and tony is using it very well and four rounds in leads the championship and is doing a really nice job of it. Um, sort of to round out the guests from tonight, I think an absolute highlight for mine
4: were those Porsche sprint, Porsche sprint challenge races. They were crackers, yeah. especially that finisher race too. I mean, when you've got a drag race to the line and there's a lap car, there's a pick in the middle of the road and the leaders go either side of him, it doesn't really get a whole lot better than that. And that follows on from that pass in for the lead in race number one.
1: Yeah, the Sergeant Wood has got a really good vibe about it for an amazing title fight this year between those two, uh, Ryan Wood, not very well known. Here is incredibly highly rated. Um, doesn't come from a lot of money in New Zealand. I met his dad who was over there, hadn't seen his boy for four months, said, no, no, we let him come over and go testing and do his thing. We didn't want to bother him, just wanted him to focus on it. But, um, he's a, he's a cool kid uh he's got a he's got a bit of a bit of an attitude which i love bit of a personality um i i hadn't had an opportunity to meet him until quite late in the weekend just with the nature of how busy we were but um he came up and introduced himself and i wanted to come and say good day and, and tell you what i'm doing and it's like yeah cool mate really good but he, he is a superstar and, and a lot of the kiwis in the porsche paddock all go yeah watch out for him there's a reason earl bambers grabbed him and, and put him in that car so He's really exciting. Tom Sargent's one of the most exciting young talents in this part of in Australia. So it, it shapes up and then um, there, that finish was wild. That was such a cool thing to see. And I feel for Tom because had there been a car width of bitumen on the other side of the garage yeah. one car of Nathan Murray, then he would have it would have been a drag race, dead set, and they would have crossed the line about three wide with lap cars in the middle. But um, I love the fact it took to the grass. I love the fact he initially kept the boot into it. Um, and he lost a race, but I think Tom probably won some fans out of that effort to try and hold on to it. Um, yeah, and then got a win on Sunday, which was a really good return of serve for a pretty challenging Saturday when he he got beaten twice. So shapes up well. Courtney Prince was awesome. Yeah. She drove really well. Boy, she's I reckon she's making the best starts out of any Porsche category, and that includes Carrera Cup. She can launch those things really, for- really impressive.
4: Forever the challenge in motorsport in this country is to find a competitive female driver. Mm. And did we find one there in the weekend? Because that was pretty sporty.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, people people forget that we had two rounds of sprint challenge last year before it all turned to do-doos uh, in March, April, whenever it was. And she was third in the championship then as well. Mm. And, uh, correction, fourth. And the, the three drivers in front of her are all now in Carrera Cup and all running at the front of the field. So, yeah, I, I think she's very, very capable. I know Mick and Maria Ritter have got raps on her driving ability. And I yeah, the way she went about it. Most impressive for mine was how she improved over the course of the weekend. So race one, she finished quite a way back. She was third, but I think 10 seconds down the road. But by race three, she was matching the lap times of uh, Ryan Wood and Tom Sargent. So really impressive. But that that series, boys, is dead set mini Carrera Cup this year it is both in pro-am and in pro it is so intensely competitive sprint challenges it's very cool i watched those s5000s under lights and i thought i was watching the singapore grand prix they were good small field yes and that's disappointing and frustrating and you know that's the eternal story of wings and slicks racing in australia but It was pretty good, and that battle between Joey Mawson and Aaron Cameron on Saturday night was Mm. pretty spectacular. Two really good young drivers that I think we all agree are bound for pretty good things in our sport, having a crack and driving those things as hard as they could be driven, and that's all you can ask for. But then it was the battle for third as well. Was it Macro and Hearn
4: as well, which was equally as intense on Saturday night? But then the carry-on Sunday, that final race with the uh, Mm. one-out, unbelievable. Yeah. I've never seen anything
1: like that. That was, eh. uh, yeah, I I want to be uh diplomatic, but the cleanup, I, I, it was a lesser of two evils. I think in terms of, it would almost be better of having the oil still down on the racetrack than having yeah. an inch and a half thick of sandblast material. Cause that's what it looked like. I, it was like a, the cars came back from a war zone afterwards. All the wraps been sandblasted off and oh man. Yeah, that was that was insane. And and just enormous credit for those drivers to keep them all pointing in the right direction on that because it looked awful. But Sam um ended up being a hell of a race.
4: And sort of splices into a hot that I've nominated for, for the weekend was the T V product. And having some of those external cameras, like on the S five thousands, the one on Mawson's car, mm. uh, looking back. Looking back, yeah, especially cool. with that night race, the flames coming yeah, out of it. Mm. oh that was rad but there was a few new camera angles on the different cars and there's the one uh, under the front suspension there of the car as well uh on nathan hearn's trans am car looking back you know that's good quality stuff from you know essentially inverted commas a second tier um broadcast but you had the drones you had all the gun commentators like Obviously, you guys who are pros are pro, but Michael Caruso, I thought he was excellent on the weekend. He yep. was just being Michael Caruso. He wasn't pretending to be a commentator. He yep. was just being himself, and that's what people love, and he was awesome at it.
1: Yeah, he's good value. He's very good value, and full chops to Robbo and to Moff, but, but Robbo as well um, was actually angry with us for not crossing to him during the race on Saturday night. It was like, why didn't he come to me? I was having a great time. And um, the moff cross was excellent, his lines were just bang it's on, it's the job he was meant to do, yeah, oh, 100%. But um, and full credit to those drivers for and the teams for allowing that to happen. And and it doesn't happen in supercars anymore, certainly doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. You know, in the states, they'll talk to them under caution. Um, that you got a copy, but um, yeah, it's pretty rare that you talk to drivers under racing conditions, mm. and full, full credit to to those guys for allowing that to happen. And, and that will be a regular part of the broadcast moving forward. That is the intention that that will become a staple, especially of TCR, but I'd, I'd suggest you find it in other categories as well, which will be cool. I want to talk to someone in the middle of a TCM race and uh, critique their oversteer moments at every corner. I think that'd be hilarious. McConville as- will be perfect for that. Yeah, I am. Completely like that, it's Safe in the commentary box. And we'll us- right in the middle of the corner now. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Give us a quick wrap on TCM and also... Uh- Trans Am, a Trans Am, Trans Am, yes. uh,
1: big weekend from a championship context and they're running out of rounds. So they've only got two to go. Um, big swing, Nathan Hearn, at DNF that cost him massively. Owen Kelly was there to capitalize. So he's looking good. That's great racing, isn't it? It's such a cool category and touring car masters. I thought they were really good. Probably missed Stevie J I think, which was mm. a, a shame and Marcus Sikanovic who's out injured, but the racing was still really good. John Bau won the weekend. Um, but there was not a dry eye in the house for Cameron Tilly who won that final race legitimately on pace on performance yeah. in the valiant pacer. And even JB said, when I got to second place, I couldn't catch him. He was too fast. And that car is the most popular car in touring car masters, which by virtue makes it one of the most popular cars on the support program, the undercard from supercars yeah. and, um, yeah, Cam's been trying to win one of those things for a very, very, very long time, and I just could not be more pleased for someone yeah. to win a race. So it was a it was a great story. Uh, oh, cool. Two two part of there,
4: uh, Bowie's win with another last lap pass that was yes. cool on Saturday. Yeah, yep. but
1: how many clicks did the uh, Cantilli win get you? Oh, lots, thousands. <laughs> it was by far and away much to the chagrin of my um, ARGPR colleague uh, Grant Rally. Uh, it was by far and away the most engaged post of the weekend, and it made exactly zero effort to uh, to post. But uh, a cool story nonetheless. Love it.
0: No doubt. Uh, speaking of cool stories, well, I think Monaco sort of had a cool finish. I'm not sure about the uh, the chapters up until that final page, though. There was some uh, weird stuff happening up there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was
1: frustrating. Another frustrating exercise in race management by the FIA, in my opinion. And I tweeted it and and I stand by it, that there's a disconnect between the promoter, which is Liberty Media, it's now Formula One, and the people that go about managing the motorsport side, which is the FIA. And I think it couldn't be more exemplified by what happened a few hours later in Indianapolis. Because in IndyCar, the church and state aren't, aren't separated. They're the same thing. The people promoting the series, trying to sell the tickets, trying to sell the sponsors, trying to put on the show are the same ones running the race. And it could be the same can be said for NASCAR. Whereas as much as they work together and as much as they were unified in developing the new car and introducing all the new regulations, the FIA and Formula One itself are still separate bodies and the FIA control everything that happens on track. And I think if you were Ross Braun or Stefano Domenicali, who runs Formula One, the, the business side of the sport, you'd be sitting there for that first hour of absolute waftam, going, ah, oh, pulling your hair out, because it was very frustrating and there was poor information. It was poorly communicated. And if you were sitting there on TV going, what on earth is going on? And and it, it's almost made it worse, boys, that later it's come out that there were some power failures in race control and that was part of the reason they had a delay but that would be the first thing i'd push out not oh we're sitting on our hands because there's a light rain shower coming through yeah because that makes it look silly which it did at the time and it was another spa circumstance from last year so there's a bit to work on there i think but you know when they got racing it was a half decent motor race and a pretty intense finish of ferrari shooting themselves in the foot again and red bull being there to capitalize
0: yep yep agreed 100% 100% uh, IndyCar, Indy 500, their massive race of the year. And uh, this one had a fair few things to it as well.
1: Yeah, not a good day for the Antipodeans, was it? No. How how you,
0: Scott,
4: he, if you're Scott Dixon, you're, you're destined to win that thing. He's led more laps in that race than anyone in the history of the event now. He's he should have won had, it four times, not once. Yeah. Yeah. He, he sat on the pole five times, had that race shot to bits, Speeding the Pittsburgh one mile an hour cost himself the win and $2.4 million US Mm -hmm. was the gap between what he wound up with and what the winner wound up getting. Yep. How would you be? No wonder he's slightly upset with himself.
1: Yeah, 100%. And That was another story on his house. Yeah, correct. Correct. Another wing on the estate.
0: Yeah. But I think you're spot on though, Mark. I think the fact that he has accepted it and blamed himself for the situation. It's probably not a a, a bad thing compared to what may happen in Formula One and others, where there'll be so much of the blame game happening about that.
1: Oh, and Scott's pretty decent when it comes to knowing when he's cocked up. And but that's that's what it was. The the only person that controls your entry into pit lane is the the driver behind the wheel. So, you know, he's he's owned it. He's been around long enough to to do that. But Lots of stories to come out of it. Uh, our bloke had a, a shunt with a couple of laps to go, which was a shame for Scotty. So that that was unfortunate. Willpower, Penske cars were a bit anonymous. Mm. In fact, Scott was the fastest of all the Penske cars up to that point, the leading Penske car. So that was frustrating for them. But um, cool finish. Um, they made the right call to fly the red flag with that late crash. Um, and it set up a really good battle with Marcus Ericsson and Pato O'Ward having a, a really good scrap into turn one with a lap to go. Um, the right bloke won. Out of that, I think Eriksson was so strong in that last stint when he got that track position. So deserved to win it. Huge result for uh, for Sweden and the first um, Swedish driver to win since Kenny Brack. Um, loved it. Fantastic. Two, Great result. Two things: the pay driver. One, there's
4: mm. been a bit of chat about that afterwards. He, mm. He's a, he's a legit pay driver. Clearly super talented. You don't do nearly a hundred Grand Prix yeah. and you know not have talent. But uh, that's a, the funny little side story there within that Chip Ganassi squad. But then the the Pado Award, like, what a cool cat! Did you see his TikTok that went viral? Yes, from the Would You Rather's that he did before the race. That was so cool. But yeah, and that sort of thing that's been really endearing a, a lot of people to the whole IndyCar cause lately is that, okay, it's cool racing and all that, but the the drive is actually cool. It's almost mm. like they need a drive to survive sort of thing to to let more people know about it.
0: Mm. yep every year we have the indy 500 we have the charlotte race straight after it nascar and uh, as you said mark this one took a hell of a long time to finish
4: five hours and 16 minutes so crazy
0: pretty long night 619
4: miles the longest nascar race in history the problem was it was a decent race for for world 600 standards it was actually a good race and the new car put on uh, some interesting stuff there was a fair bit of carnage and carry on uh throughout and it, it all came to a point with a really cool finish where you had chase briscoe all over um larson and the closing laps and briscoe fenced himself so mm-hmm. there's a green white checker and then denny hamlin came through for the win mm. to essentially take uh you know all the crown jewels are now in his collection three um daytona 500 say darlington southern 500 and now a charlotte 600 so old denny keeps racking up trophies but um Good race, but bloody long. So it's that, too long. Uh, <laughs> and that's the whole point of it. It was the the wheelers back in the day were like, well, we Indianapolis has a five hundred. We've got to do something bigger than a five hundred. Yeah. It's a six hundred.
1: Yeah, just call it a cup series six hour and be done with it. Seriously, yeah, it's shorter but, than Bathurst. It's
0: one hundred percent made much. sure. <laughs> that, it's one hundred percent made sure that no one jumps in a plane after the Indy five hundred and goes down to. Charlotte to race like no, they used to. They'd they the do days. it.
4: Like I, there was talk about who would possibly do it, and I well, think Kev Bush did a couple of years ago. Yeah, mm. and the organising bodies would work together if somebody oh, yeah. was going to do it. They would definitely work together on their timings
1: and whatnot. Hundred percent. Yeah. I, I and look, Penske's put the prize money up for the five hundred as well, so record prize pool this year, and more than three million dollars to the winner. So I think. um yeah, it's uh that will entice more of those NASCAR guys to come over. In fact, I think it was Denny Hamlin who tweeted who who's responsible for it. And I think Jenna Fryer from AAP said Penske and he was like, No, it's good, you know, big big money will attract the big drivers. So they, they still race for cash over there. So yeah, why not?
0: It's pretty Speaking cool of big drivers and big names, do you like to read that Kimmy Reichland's joining NASCAR? He is. He's going back to NASCAR. He's graduating he from the truck series.
1: <laughs> he
4: graduated back to Formula One. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's really- he's joined <laughs> one of the top teams. He'll be at um, Watkins Glen with Trackhouse, who uh, won a couple of races this year, including on the road course at Coda. So decent team. And um, it'll be a challenge for, for Kimmy going to a stock car like that on a road course, something completely different. Don't expect the world from him. You know, you look at what Sharks has managed to do over the years when he's, had his ringer runs. Um, yeah, don't expect too much. But uh, it's cool that that team, it's part owned by Pitbull, the uh, rapper. So they're all about the marketing and that side of things. So if they uh, have the opportunity to put some superstars in
1: there, they're going to do that in future. Do you know what I would love? I would love dearly for Kimmy to win that race and th- not give a shit. <laughs> I thought
0: you were going to say I'd love Kimmy to put out a rap song. No, well that
1: too. <laughs> Jeez. But can you like you know the, the NASCAR drivers? They have the amazing celebrations and all that. And Kimmy Riken and winning a NASCAR race would just be the most. I'd love to see the yanks get their head around that and yeah, how just, the- just how to deal with it because I think it'll be hilarious. The post
0: race goes. Yes, you know, that. My
4: favourite Watkins Glen one was, was. A- when Ambrose won the uh, race in 2011, did a big skid, and ESPN used to have the Battle of the Burnouts every week on their midweek NASCAR. Mm. It was a daily NASCAR show back in the day, whichever one it was, and they had the Battle of the Burnouts, and we rigged it so hard. We had everyone in Australia voting for it. It mm. won five weekends, well, five <laughs> weeks in a row, until they just had to end the segment because Ambrose just kept smoking everyone. It was so good. <nutrigio> That's great.
0: Yeah, memories. Uh, Newberg ring?
1: Yeah, it turns out um, a bit of fog and sleet in the early hours of the Bathurst 12-hour. Good preparation <laughs> for winning and the Nordschleife because uh, our boy Kelvin Vanderlinder got up. Uh, how about brotherly love or hate? Oh, how good was that? Oh, that was man. insane. And the fact that Lawrence came out afterwards on Instagram and said, I but- didn't back out because it was my brother. My might, brain exploded and oh I regret that immensely. <laughs> in the early hours of the Nevergreen 24-hour, that was extraordinary. Um, I've, met, I've met both of those two dudes, Lawrence and Dries. Dries won the 12-hour in 2018, Lawrence won pole in 15 and on the podium twice. Amazing race car drivers, both pretty intense cats though, so it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, yeah, wow. Porsche had an absolute shocker. Yep. They stacked the field there but uh they had absolutely no luck at all including our boys matt campbell and jackson evans apparently the falcon tires were not good uh because it's open tire at that race and um the falcons were five or six seconds a lap slower than the um than the michelins and the pirellis in the field um which sounds like a lot and but i mean it's a long lap but even on a long lap it's still um a decent margin so yeah, but Audi get the win, amazing for uh, for that brand, and they're having a pretty uh, decent season. Probably makes up a bit for um shooting themselves in the foot at Mount Panorama, and in the way that they did, so huge win for uh, for the R8s, and and Vanderlinda did a lot of the anchoring of that driving at the end there, and won his second twenty four hour, which was really cool to see. We had really good coverage in
4: Australia, actually, with our mm. friends Radio Show Limited commentary and all the pictures beamed in there to be in sports, so. Uh, Huge weekend on the yeah. box. My
1: goodness, there was so much to watch.
0: And I'm tipping that the people at Porsche weren't calling them Falcon Tyres. There may have been another similar name True. model.
1: True, I Just to repeat, I was saying the brand
0: Falcon Tyres. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. Uh, boys, just before we go, a final mm-hmm. one I'm going to throw at you just for a comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, this week here in Australia, we saw three generations uh, driving out on Queensland Raceway on Monday. Dick Johnson, Steve Johnson, and Jet Johnson, grandfather, father, and son out there. Amazing thing. It was lovely to watch and all that stuff. Is Jet Johnson a shoe-in for supercars, do we believe, or is it something he's going to have to work really hard to get?
4: Oh, that's a tough one. He'll have to work at it. He'll have to Mm. prove himself. Mm. There's no point just uh, putting a kid in there because he's got a surname, but I think he's moving in the right direction. Like, he's definitely improving. He's still very young. Um, but he'll have to go start winning some Trans Am races or many years yeah. at the lower the lower spec series. But TR2. uh Two mm. Two win some uh national ones, uh getting getting up into super two and super three and go from there. He'll have to still learn the ropes, but uh I'm impressed with how far he's come, especially you know where he started there in high end not very long ago.
0: Yeah, what, true what he said. Yeah, no, and he definitely drives. At D J R, doesn't he? He doesn't drive anywhere else. No, oh, you never uh, know.
1: Well, well, maybe he does. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I probably one of Stevie J's.
1: The, the the blips in his career and that he could have gone and driven elsewhere and it might have been absolutely up, what yeah. he needed. Yeah, yeah. So it, um, it was very cool to see, though. And oh, it was. It was great. Well done to DJR and, and Ryan Story for organising that. I noticed the doctor had uh, a bit of a skid himself, which was great. Do you great. think there was an ulterior motive to that whole setup oh, It's like, we're going to do this rad thing, but by the way. P.S. I'm going to have a steer. Well, I mean, he owns the team, so he's probably allowed. But yeah. it was very nicely done. And, um, and I can only imagine that how how jilly was feeling while that was happening as oh, well and yes um, not the least stevie's wife but um yeah very cool moment and uh, amazing to get three generations of, of probably the most famous racing surname in in the sport at the moment uh, out and about which was uh, very nicely done
0: yeah and also great to uh hear that the doc is uh, feeling a lot better than what he has yes, been for the yes. past few He's months. Fully, too, so so uh, good to see him
1: well enough to drive a supercar, which yeah, is excellent. Correct. It's the time it? he came back on the show actually. And yeah, uh, actually. also offered up his brilliant contributions to the power rankings, which were good.
4: Exactly. Where are they gone?
1: I know. I know. We've missed them. Just automatic hot. Uh, thanks of course to Doric for their support of the rankings and the show. Yep. Correct. Uh, catch you next week. Well done. Do you know what, do you know what happens next week? What? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> oh. We've come out of the most ridiculous, intense, busy period of the sport and huge, you know, we went Perth and there was a week off. Then it was 12 hour Winton speed series, plus all the other stuff going on. Next weekend, diddly squat. Can no MotoGP,
0: some- no superbikes, no nothing. Well, there probably is, but
1: locally, well, no. What there's what no Formula gonna- One, they get a week off. What are we going to get you to commentate? I'm gonna go and commentate my fake grass growing in my backyard or something like that Sweet. I think I'm gonna to have to <laughs> I don't want to stop the form
0: like- uh, <laughs> we, uh, we might have to come up with something for next week's show then maybe another maybe uh, our first top five for the year
1: We'd, I'd be up for a top five we haven't done a top five in a long time uh, if mm. you've got a top five t- top five something. Richard's
4: Richard's commentary calls of 2022 no, no, no no
1: be hard to pick it would be that's it'd be a hard thing to rank. I was just yeah. trying to think of which ones I'd nominate. No, 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 we're not going to do that. That's, <laughs> that's
0: very, very silly. And what if one doesn't just go no, straight to the top? No surely. one
1: cares about what I waffle on about, but if you've got a top five scenario, so five favorite top five, one, two, three, four, five, um, something suggested, hit us up on our socials at the race talk, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Let us know what you would like us to offer our opinions on and we'll get Dale in and we might get hashtag Doric guy in and, um, We'll throw some uh, throw some options out there. I'd just yeah, also yeah. very likely, uh, very quickly like to acknowledge my good mate, Jack Perkins, uh, and head to the Perkins Engineering website and buy one of their trucker's caps because they're brilliant.
0: Cool. Okay. Are you wearing one right now, I, I am it. wearing one right yeah, now. Yeah, he is.
1: Righto, this mate. is not paid product promotion, but uh, I'd like just to give uh, Jacko a pat on the back and uh, they're doing nice things. And check out the Perkins Engineering YouTube channel while you're at it.
0: Hmm. Okay, so, boys. Catch you next week. Bye for now. See ya. See ya. And thank you for joining us right here on The Grid.